Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Sticking Sideways is not brought to you by giant headphone cans that make you look like a Cyberman from Doctor Who. No, instead, TSP is brought to you by Sleep Phones, the world's most comfortable headphones for sleeping, traveling, or just curling up to listen to a sad, scary little mysteries like ours this week from the London Underground. You'll find out about that soon enough. With Sleep Phones, you get super thin, high-quality audio speakers tucked inside a super comfy headband. They're soft and really comfortable to wear, I know. And Devin, you like them too, right? The speakers are thin, the sound is really good, and they're just really neat. Uh, and if you got somebody sleeping or snoring right next to you while you're trying to tune into our podcast, well, the sleep phones will help cancel that out. Uh, by the way, there's something in it for you guys. Our listeners can save 5 bucks off any sleep phones product at sleepphones.com just by entering the promo code SIDEWAYS at checkout. That's SIDEWAYS, and save yourself 5 bucks when you pick up corded or wireless sleep phones at sleepphones.com. Thinking sideways. I don't get it. I brought the aliens. You must unlearn what you have learned. I don't know. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey there, and welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Steve, as always, joined by... Devin. Joe. And... As usual, we've got another mystery for you. This week, we're going to be talking about the Moorgate tube crash, which was suggested to us by Richard. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, so thank you, Richard. I got to be honest with you, when you first put up, you know, on our little spreadsheet that you were going to do this, I was like, boy, that's a dumb thing. Boring topic. Super boring and dumb. 
actually turns out super interesting. Yeah, way interesting. more interesting than originally anticipated. Yeah, so little, good job, good job, Richard. More controversial too than you would think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for folks who don't know, let's give a little bit of a primer here, as we always like to do. The in 1975, the Moorgate tube crash happened, which was the crash of a passenger train in the London Underground. And for it those was not, coming in for a landing, pilot lost control. And not, not that at not all. Like that? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? No, oh, it's okay. a train, not a plane. Oh. Oh. Wrong, wrong, oh, okay. wrong. Ain. For those of you not familiar with the London Underground, aka the Tube, it's London's rapid transit system, uh, their rapid transit train system which is both above and below ground. It's commuter light rail. Correct. Much like the New York it's, subway. It's a subway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are familiar with the subway in America. We probably don't need to spell it out in too graphic detail. No. 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 Although knows. the tube yeah. is much older. It started in 1863. It's almost as old as Boston's system. Ah. I'm kidding. It's, no, it's, I was like, yeah. wait a second, because I know <laughs> London started in 1904. Although, uh, or uh, not London, but New York. Although mm-hmm. I remember it was weird at first, the London train, or the New York train wasn't actually underground. It was just below grade, partially. <laughs> it yeah. was the weirdest train system in the world. But that's a completely different conversation. Yeah, Our it's act- interesting. Actually, New York has got like this this phantom subway tunnel that's got actually got a, a train in it and everything that's been sealed off for years. Yeah. You ever heard about that? We'll have to do an episode on it. Yeah, this sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, it's not ringing a bell at the moment. Yeah, totally off the topic anyway. Yeah. But yeah. So the accident that we're talking about in 1975... It takes place on the Highbury Branch, which, from what I can tell from the maps of the time, uh, was a short north-south line that ran between two larger lines. And actually, it, it looks on the stations. map like it actually connects up uh, like three or maybe four lines. Well, but... it has stations, so that's what yeah. you. That's the thing about the tube is when you read that map. I I looked at it and realized there's five stops, mm. but. Two of those stops are on different portions portions of the same line, mm-hmm. and then one's on the north. But long story short, it was considered to be part of the north line. Mm-hmm. It's no longer in service. That's a stubby little line. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I'm not surprised yeah. that it's not in service because it was for passenger trains for the two because it was such a teeny tiny little line. Well, it's not very efficient if you connect the, if you yes. connect those lines more directly. That means two train rides instead of three train rides for a lot of people. I mm-hmm. can see where a lot of people would favor that. I I. Yeah. Totally had the same thought. I saw where the benefit for the commuter was, but not for the operator of the rail line. Just for history's sake, I looked it up. The Boston area was 1830-ish is when their railroad, their underground railroad started. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, Is that the one for slaves or the one for just commuters? Just for commuters. Oh, that one. Okay. All right. Okay. Nice. Sorry. Okay. To begin at the beginning of the story, on the day that things happened, Friday, uh, the morning of February 28th, the train left from Drayton Park, which was the northernmost stop on that line, and it left that stop to make its third loop of the day, that particular train set, and it left supposedly 30 seconds late. I see it always listed as having left at either 8.38 or 8.39 a.m. I'm not positive which, but I'm not going to split the 30 seconds to to worry about it. At 8.46, the train was approaching its final destination, which was Moorgate, which was the final stop. Oh, so super stubby. Like 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minute line. No, not even a 10 minute line. Less than a 10 minute line. And and it includes stops. Yeah, five stops. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, super stubby line. Mm -hmm. So it's approaching its final destination. And the, the train should have been reducing its speed to come into the station, to come into that stop. And at most, it should have been traveling at 15 miles per hour, uh, which translates to 24 kilometers per hour. But instead, it was going an estimated 30 to 40 miles per hour, which translates to 48 to 64 kilometers an hour. So it was flying double, through the station. More than double. More uh -huh. than double. It's a it's maximum allowable mm -hmm. speed. I wonder what people on the platform were doing. I mean, I know that I'd be running for the exit, but I wonder if people just stood there. And, uh, uh, it sounds you know? like a bunch of people stood there and watched it because it happened so fast. I yeah. Mean, it just happened too quickly to have much time to react. And so what happens is that the, the stop, the tunnel for the train doesn't end at the end of the platform. It continued on mm -hmm. another 66 feet, uh, which is 20 meters. So there's 20 meters more of tunnel. And that tunnel had things in it that were meant to stop a runaway train. It Obviously had, not one going that speed. Well, yeah, that's it wasn't meant for something this fast, but it had what's called a sand drag. And then it also had a hydraulic buffer. So sand drag literally is just sand piled on the rails, in this instance, two feet deep. Mm. And then the ram, it's basically, you've seen this at the end of, uh, on TV probably, the end of the line, there's a block or a metal frame with a ram or hydraulic arm that is meant to absorb the speed of the train horizontally to stop it without making a major crash. Mm. Well, two problems, as we already identified. First off, the train was going way too fast, and it blew through the drag. And the second problem was that the hydraulic buffer wasn't working. It was actually broken. Mm. So yeah. the only thing that probably helped slow the train down was colliding with the thing and ripping it out of the ground. The, mm -hmm. um, yeah, they probably should have stuck with the, the other kind of hydraulic buffer, which is just all those 55-gallon drums filled with water like mm -hmm. they have in the freeways here in the States. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that can't break down too easy. Yeah, no, no. It, yeah. So so it was bad. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it really, it tore through Major there. crunch. And, and yeah. obviously it hit the end of the, the tunnel because the tunnel did end after that hydraulic ram. To make things worse, though, is that if you think about the, the tube, it's in a tunnel. And that tunnel is designed to only be a little bit wider all the way around than the trains themselves. Yeah. Which, if I remember right, I think the tunnel is a, supposed to be about 10 feet uh, in diameter, mm -hmm. and I, uh, which is roughly three meters. It's a little less than three meters. Okay. Well, the problem was this particular piece of line was designed to actually haul cargo cars. Mm. So it had, they had to be bigger. So it was actually 13 feet wide and 16 feet tall. Mm, that's not great. So yeah. the, the, the danger in that is that this train that comes blowing through and should have just hit the end of the tunnel and compressed entirely horizontally is now allowed to jump off of the tracks, hit the ceiling, hit the walls, ping pong all around, and bend in a whole bunch of places, and therefore collapse not only horizontally, but bend vertically. And it mm. did, the, the lead car was bent in three or in two places, so it was a total of three. Kind of like an upside down pieces. V or something. Yeah, it was yeah. more of a U almost. Yeah. yeah, it was it was really crazy the way the thing just I mean, it it did not was not designed to take that kind of impact, and it showed based yeah. on that tunnel. 
Although actually having the slightly wider tunnel was beneficial because it allowed us like rescue workers to squeeze between the train and the tunnel and get and that, forward. That was the only out. benefit. That helped a little bit. I mean, a little well, bit. I mean, standard tube widths are they're you know small, right? So it's a it's a tight fit, but they are designed to be able to vacate people through them. I mean, most of them are. I don't know about the London Underground. I haven't been in that one mm. in a long time. But at least the ones like in Chicago and New York, like you have to have a way for passengers to exit the train and evacuate on either side. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, well, it's not wide, but it's a couple but, feet. But in this case, you know, when, it, when, it, when the trains hit, they sort of like... Uh, crumpled. They crumpled. They crumpled and, 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 and moved outwards. Right up and yeah. down. So, and so that's where the problem, if it, it was it, been yeah. in a properly sized it, tube. That would, if it had been a 10-foot tube, it would have sealed it shut probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Or close to it anyway. Yeah. 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 If you look at uh, this particular train, and we'll talk about this later, is, is part of what's known as the 1938 stock. Mm -hmm. And 19, and most of the tube trains, they have a curved, domey roof to them. But then at some point, the sides of the car end up just running vertically up and down. Right. Because you got to have that flat edge. And that's the space that would allow people to somewhat make their way through. Though not easily, they could get their way through as to what you're referring to. Dan. Yeah. So as I always say, not surprisingly, a massive uh, emergency crew was assembled, a massive rescue operation. What I want to know is, and you, you probably don't know this, but how big a boom and how far away was it heard? I do not know that, to be honest with you. That I must have made a big kaboom. It probably did, but I don't know how far it would have traveled, actually, because if you think about it, it's a lot of brick and concrete, but it's also in a tunnel system that has other trains making their own noise. And uh, yeah. as you know, certain noises will help cancel each other out. So I suppose. I, I don't know. know. I have no idea. And it was it way was... underground, too, but still, it must have been a big boom. Yeah, it was, it was a hell of a boom. But rescue workers, they show up, they find that the station is dark it's it's smoky and dusty and they they had to work to get the people out now what happens here is that the train goes into that that extra bit of tunnel but the last three cars are still at the platform so the people in those cars they can open the doors and they can get out lucky them lucky them but for everybody in the front three cars it wasn't as good and the rescue workers had to go down that side of the tunnel the, on the left and the right as you were talking about devin mm -hmm. and they literally had to cut the cars open because the doors were just completely fused shut in the compression process i'm assuming that they were using saws and not torches when they were cutting these people out but i don't know that for sure i think they might have used some torches they might have they really raised the temperature in there a lot they did because yeah. the the temperature uh, the fire brigade i can't think of who it was that that uh one of the responders i read a whole bunch of stuff on their site but they talked about, you know, they show up in full fire garb and then they are quickly stripping down to basically just T-shirts and their pants if they can, because the temperatures rose quite quickly to 90 to 120 degrees Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit or uh, converting that, that's 32 to 49 degrees Celsius. So it's freaking hot. Yeah, yeah. Right. because I, I just sort of engineer's mind, I was sort of thinking about the logistics of that situation. I, I'm, I'm thinking that now I bet they have like some gigantic fans that they can bring oh, in I'm sure. to, to flush out the I air. Would, I they, wouldn't be they surprised They obviously by that. weren't prepared for this, something oh. of this magnitude. No. 
they're probably they probably have bought some gigantic fans to make sure this doesn't happen again though. Because mm-hmm. oh my god, it must have been uncomfortable down there. Besides oh. the heat, I mean, just imagine breathing all that smoke and dust and no, I and, you know dead bodies and, and yeah, no, I I can't that. imagine that it was good. Now, as we said, you know, they've, they've got to cut these cars open because they've compressed and the doors are all squished shut and, and sealed. To give you a little bit of context, because I've said this a couple of times, everything was compressed shut. For context, each of the cars that went into that tunnel, was they were 52 feet long. That tunnel was 66 feet long. There was two and a half cars crammed into that 66 feet of tunnel, which means mm-hmm. take two pop cans and just empty pop cans and squeeze them down to the length of one, and that'll give you a really good idea of how much damage that does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. Glad I wasn't on that train. Yeah, me too. Indeed. Uh, luckily, uh, I wasn't around. Not surprisingly, not everybody survived the accident. Uh, there were a total of 300 people on the train. Of those 342 people died on the scene, and I see conflicting accounts that it's either one or two people died after the fact from the injuries that they sustained. Mm. A total of 74 additional people were treated for injuries that they got. Yeah. So that's uh, that's over a hundred. It's over a third of the passengers. Yeah, but somehow like a hundred and a uh, hundred and seventy-five, a hundred and eighty people walked away with like uh-huh. minor injury. Lucky and so them, for a huh? crash of this magnitude, that's pretty incredible. The people in the first two cars. Oh yeah, are they where were... the majority of the death. Oh, for occurred. sure. It's so the people in the back back couple of cars they got tossed around but they were in almost no damage of dying unless they fell the wrong way crazy i wonder i wonder if there's a major trend after that for people to ride in the back want to ride the tube (laughs) i you know i don't know that's a that's a good question i have no idea i would in the first i think it's in the first 18 hours all of the injured passengers got off the train the final body wasn't removed from the train, though, for four days total. Mm-hmm. But do we know how long it took on average for them to remove the rest of the dead bodies? We don't. Okay. We don't know how long it took to remove those those other dead bodies, which mm-hmm. I know where you're going for later yeah. stuff. We don't, thought, we don't know how long. I thought long. it was like they got almost everybody out in the first 24 hours. I thought so, too. I believe it was all of the, the people who were injured... And a majority of the casualties, but I have a feeling the people that were in the very first car were the hardest to get Mm -hmm. out because of the way it compressed and bent. Yeah, well, it took them four days to get the last body out. The last body that they get out is the driver of the train, uh, the motorman, as they're referred to, and the... This driver, his name was Leslie Newson, he, and he was a 56-year-old guy. He'd been working for the two for about six years at that point, he, six or seven years, though for the first, uh, until the last year of his life, he'd been working as a guard, because you got to remember somebody's got to walk through and, and help with the doors and keep an eye on the passengers so no bad stuff happens, and that's what the guard is for, and but that's we, what he did. But we do presume that the guard is at least you know, peripherally trained in the Do not operation believe of that, the... That is not the case. No, not I, even at all? For one, no. I have read guards are supposed to be trained in how the trains function. Really? That is what I read. Well, I understood yeah. that they were trained in the basic functions, but they, they had to actually go through training to drive a train. They sure. may be able to operate that's the That's why I said peripherally okay. educated. But, okay. Yeah, they but they understand things like especially how the brake systems work mm-hmm. and all that. You would they, need to know how, like, yeah. the emergency... They understand all, okay. all that yeah. stuff. Okay, yeah. I 
I, I guess I was yeah. taking that into the larger context oh, of no. all of the opera. Okay, no. I got you. Vaguely understand how the thing works. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that if an emergency happened, they could take over. Right. Like no. pull the brake handle. Yeah. And yeah. actually, I got to tell you, I, I have seen video of, of people driving the trains, and actually, I think I could do it. It's not a complex machine to operate. I, mean, I sure will that, say that. I'm sure it it's is harder not, than I wouldn't it looks. Say, I was about to say, I don't believe it's oh. an easy machine to operate, but I don't believe it's complex in well, the I know, I know that I know that right now there's there's some tube operator that's listening to this and he's fuming and oh. I just want to say dude I'd realize your job is harder than it looks yeah, but send us an email anyway by yeah. all means uh, yeah oh where were we uh, well what we were going to say is we were talking about Leslie Newson oh, what, okay. did he go by less I don't know that to be honest I thought I've seen it online people calling him less but well, I, I was know just going to use his last name to be safe great let's just go okay by so by all accounts Newsom was a good driver and he took his job seriously like I said he'd only been driving trains for the past year and he, he according to his his wife and children he wasn't a drinker and when he had a drink which was very rare it was only on holidays and he might have one or two brown ales he only called out of work for uh, a total of two days in the five, the six or seven years he worked for the tube. So that's a good record. And his coworkers said that he didn't really have many friends, but generally he was a very cautious driver. He was known to the typical process, and this is a very general statement, so please understand that, was there was a point where you should start to begin braking to get to a minimum speed and then stop at the platform. He was known for just shutting off the engines before that minimum distance and letting the train coast almost entirely in so he barely had to use the brakes at all. So he seems very, like a nice smooth ride in. Yes, which yeah. I've been on some trains that weren't so, so no. smooth, so I appreciate Yeah, that. me too. And that might that might have been him. I mean, I I we'll talk about this a little later, but there were also maintenance issues on the train. He might have been one of these guys that didn't want to put any stress on his brakes because he thought, well, I might need those someday. And yeah. that is something yeah. he was uh, known yeah. for keeping a logbook of maintenance issues. and that's, uh-huh. So that is one thing that was found on in his belongings. And um, some of the tube trains had some maintenance mm-hmm. issues. So overall, though, the description that we just gave of Newson does not jive with what the official investigation found and decided. Because they say that the entire incident was due to operator error. Um, when you look at the, uh, you guys looked through the the accident report. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite long. Although the map at the end was really really that useful. Was cool. Yeah. But according to the witnesses who were at the station, Newson was standing up and staring straight ahead as the train passed through the station, with his hand in the full throttle position. Are you going to, at some point, I presume we'll talk about how these trains are operated? Probably like how somebody more... could say it was in the full throttle or yeah, not? Yeah, probably in much more detail than some people really want. Great. Because uh, that's the way I am with these mechanical bits and pieces. That's true. They're fun. Okay, but we'll pause on that until you get there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, we'll, we'll hold off. This is still kind of the general stuff. Okay. Uh, so, uh, like I said, this the witnesses said that they saw him going through the station with his hands in the full throttle position. According to the official investigation, they they felt like this witness statement was true because they say that when his body was removed from the train, it appeared that his hands prior to the impact must have been in that position. And they also x-rayed his arms and his hands because... 
according to the official investigation, what they expected to see was that his bones would have been broken in a recognizable manner of a person realizing they're going to run into something, doing that defensive gesture where you put you cross your arms and put them in front of your head. We've all seen this in, on TV and movies. Uh-huh. That's what they expected, and because the breaks in his arms and hands weren't consistent with that position, they said, yeah, no, his hands must have been on the controls. They can't say where the controls were, but they say his hands had to have been on the actual control. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. But Well, even, I mean, but even if they were, they can't say, oh, he was frantically trying to brake or he was accelerating full throttle. All they can say is they were probably in the same area where mm-hmm. the controls were. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's absolutely yeah. right. And and to be honest, the um, so the statement that the, of his hands, where his hands were, is a bit dodgy to me mm-hmm. because drivers typically would operate the train. Most of them would operate the train without the the cab light on, right. so it didn't create glare and stuff like that, so they could see ahead. Yeah. Well, when coming into the station, the inquest did a bunch of tests, and they had drivers with light on and the light off. With the light off, you can see the general silhouette of the person, but you can't actually discern what position their hands are in. In other words, full power, off, pulling the brake, not pulling the brake. You can just kind of yeah. generally see their silhouette. Yeah. I know. I, so, I, well, would, witness, I wouldn't see it because I'd be running away. Well, witness reports are often like really hot. Like having not in the not too long ago future tried to give a witness testimony as, you know, mm-hmm. whatever from something that I thought I saw very clearly and then realizing I actually have no idea if what I'm saying is accurate or not. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I mean, and that is the reason why I am inclined to disregard the statement of the witness named I A Butt. And I wow. kid you not, I sure that is his name. I sure it's Butt and not Boot. Yes. It's butt. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced in this country Butt. An unfortunate name. Mm. <laughs> so. This was a horrible, horrible incident. I mean, like we said, a lot of people lost their lives, a lot of injuries, but the the good things that came out of it were two. The first of which is that the speed limits for trains that were coming to the end, the uh, not the the actual end of the line, yeah, dead ends, dead ends was reduced from fifteen to ten miles per hour to help ensure that somebody couldn't be asleep at the wheel and driving 15 and drive all the way through. The other thing that came through is that in 1978, the Moorgate protection system was introduced, which it was an automated system that if after a certain point, a train wasn't below a certain speed, it automatically turned on the brakes. So truly automated the, I shouldn't say truly, but to a large extent, automated the brakes so that if somebody's not paying attention and they're flying through there, the train is going to stop. Because that's the problem with this incident is that according to everybody, the train never hit its brakes. Mm -hmm. It just flew through full throttle. Here's my favorite part about this. Hmm. Uh, Wasn't it the train crash that happened in America like two years ago where suddenly they were like, oh, you know what we should have on our commuter rails? Yeah, safety things. Safety 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 equipment. Yeah. 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 We should make some safety stuff because yeah. that would like be safe and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That would help. Yeah. You know, 30 years after. If nothing this. else, you know, maybe like like a big guy to stand behind the driver and sort of step in when mm-hmm. things go south. And say, excuse me. 
So just no, not excuse me. Just knock him out of the way. Mm-hmm. Grab the controls. Just um, I know we're close to theories here, but just quickly, um, yeah. tube drivers do they sit or stand? They stand. I they think stand in the 30, 1938 stock. I understood that they stood. I did not ever see a seat in any of okay. the photos of the uh, the drivers okay. section of the train, which suddenly the name is escaped me. Cab. Oh. Cab. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll work with that. Yeah. So right. yes, there okay. is not a seat that I just I'm wanted aware to of. clarify. Any other questions before we... No. Well, before we get into theories, let's take a really quick break. Hi there. Joe here from Thinking Sideways, the podcast. Well, it finally happened. There's another podcast out there. Finally, somebody caught on to our great idea, and they're doing it too. Uh, And so if you do have room in your life for a second podcast, you might want to give this one a look, or I guess a listen. It's called First Day Back, and uh, it's kind of intriguing sounding. The the concept is how does a person return from an event that changes them? Uh, The new story for this new season apparently has been, this this is the second season. It's about a woman who's just getting out of prison. Uh, She was in prison because she accidentally shot and killed her husband. And here's the kicker, she has no memory of it. The show explains what happened that night, and also just everything that comes after, like what's it like to on your first day out of prison, how do you readjust? Uh, how do you find a job? Uh, can you reconnect with your family? And all that's the easy part, of course. The hard part is figuring out how to live with the guilt of what she did and try to find some forgiveness for herself. So that's what it's about. Bottom line is, uh, how do you come back from the worst thing you've ever done, especially when you don't even remember doing it? The show is called First Day Back. Uh, it's on Stitcher and, uh, well, wherever else you listen to podcasts. Okay, and we're back, and I'm a little upset with you, Joe. Yeah? Because where's my sandwich? Oh, yeah. I've had that thing in the fridge for a while now, and I've slowly been working my way through it, and I want to know where my footlong sandwich is at. Well, here's all you got to do is follow your nose. (laughs) Okay, well, let's get on to theories. Theory number one. Which shouldn't be any surprise to anybody, because this is always there in a in an accident situation. He'll have to start a new life. He faked his own death. No, actually, that's oh, not that's it. not there. Wrong kind of mystery. Oh, okay. Wrong kind of Sorry. mystery. No, this is he was drunk mm-hmm. because drunk is always it. People say, well, he had to have been drunk to have driven the train into the end of the tunnel and and not have slowed, not applied the brakes. And one of the things that is always referred to, and you see this in the official inquest, is that when they tested his blood, they found that he had 80 milligrams per 100 milliliters of alcohol in his blood, which, by my math, comes out to 0.08 BAC, meaning legally drunk in this country, for the, in the in, U.S. At least in our state. In our it's state, lower yes. Lower and higher in different places. Correct. I thought it was more like 0.04, but I could be wrong about that. Well, and there's some things to, to take into consideration here, the first of which is that the doctor, and it's referred to strangely in a lot of the reporting, but the doctor who took the samples and wrote the report said that she took samples from eight other bodies that were in the same conditions as Newsom's, and that the, his blood alcohol content was double any of the other bodies. Uh-huh. On the, and I'm assuming they were bodies from that actual accident scene. You know, we've talked about this before, but we'll do it again. Is that the human body, when uh, it expires, 
is capable of creating alcohol, or I should probably correct that it's the bacteria that are feeding upon the human body that make alcohol as a byproduct. Mm -hmm. And the warmer it is, the faster they work and the faster they grow and eat and therefore poop out alcohol. Yeah. Not alcohol you want to drink, I no, no, no. But think about the conditions we described, which is a tunnel that is between 90 to 120 degrees. It got friggin' hot. Yeah, it yeah. did. It got it get really hot in there. So depending on so there's there's some things that we don't we don't we don't get the answers to, which is we know that his body was in there for four days, but we don't know how long the other bodies that were sampled were actually in the tunnel before they were moved, and I'm presuming sent to a morgue where they were then put into a cooler, which would have stopped the little bacteria yeah. from continuing mm -hmm. to generate alcohol. Yeah, you would think. The, uh, he was definitely the last out. Yeah. As the old saying goes, uh, first in, last out. Yeah. 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 That is the old saying. So let's just, let's run with the theory, though. Yeah, there are other issues here, though. I mean... There are. There are. So if we run with the theory and we think about this, let's let's think about, well, when could he have had his drinks? When he could have, could have been drinking? Yeah. Well, there's before or on the job. Those are the, the two simple answers there. Yep. If we think about on the job, the morning of the accident, sometime between 610 and 624, which was the start of his shift, 624, Newsom had tea with some of the other drivers, and one of whom asked if he could borrow some milk, and he allowed him to, and that driver said the milk didn't taste of alcohol. So obviously he wasn't spiking his tea as he was driving through the day. That, to me, means that he must have consumed it probably before he would have gotten to work. Because drinking on the job is really obvious because it's a semi-open cab situation. I'll take a little issue with that and say that, you know, to-go cups are a thing. He could have, you know, been having a bunch of alcohol in, like, a styrofoam. A flask? No, a, like a styrofoam cup that mm -hmm. looks like coffee or mm -hmm. something like yeah. that. Those were those were very popular in those days. It is, but the the thing is, is that I can't imagine nobody that nobody that he interacted with said that he a smelled of booze or b acted weird. So it seems a little weird that he would have done it beforehand. No, I'm just I'm saying I'm taking issue with drinking on the job. But the other thing I was going to say is that the guard on the train interacted with Newson. Through the two hours or hour prior to the accident, and never saw anything. And it's not like the the driver can hold his cup while he's driving the train. That's true. Kind of needs both hands. I'm mostly and I just, didn't see a cup holder. Mostly just playing devil's advocate. I know. But I will also mention that maybe the testimony of that guard is not the most sound. Testimony. He was an 18 year old kid, and he wasn't really paying attention. He's actually quite scolded in the report for. Lack of diligence in his duties. Yeah. Well, and he should have. He should have been like mostly at the back of the train anyway. So there would have been plenty of time. He wouldn't yeah. have been around the driver. Mm -hmm. But but I also agree. He probably wasn't drinking before. I mean, the coworkers, if they went so far to say, well, the the milk wasn't alcohol, they probably would have gone so far to also say, also he wasn't drunk when we were hanging out with him. Right. At he, least he, not drunk enough to crash a train. He should have been stumbled at, at six in the morning to have been that unaware. He had to. He would have had to been super stumbly, you know, belligerently drunk, and he did not appear to be that way. Though mm. his family, they did have booze in the house. There was a reporter that went over, and she looked. He was like, well, "Where did you keep the drink cabinet?" And they looked, and sure enough, there's Bacardi. Because everybody says, "Well, he must have been drinking something that didn't have a smell." And I got to tell you that only vodka drinkers and sometimes gin drinkers are the ones who believe that you can't smell that stuff. 
Mm. Well, yeah, and they're wrong. They're wrong. (laughs) Everybody else can smell that stuff, so... And also, ooh, adults have Bacardi in the house. Like, calm down. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I saw that report, and it was like she admitted that it might be down a little bit in level. But she didn't know. She didn't know, and the thing about it is, is is this was like how many months or years after the Six or nine months after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to tell you, it would have been in my house, it would have been like not down a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it would have been gone, replaced by. Another, I was gonna say, I'm know? gonna be in big trouble if I ever like get in a crash and they're like, "Well, let's go see your alcohol cabinet." <laughs> and all the bottles. Have, like, Do you have alcohol in, in your house? Oh, well, you must have been drunk. Like yeah. I'm, I'm out of luck at that point. <laughs> yeah. If that's if that's how we're doing this now. Yeah. Now, I, uh, to give a little bit of credence to the he he should have been drunk or he was drunk theory, if indeed his BAC was. Double the other people on the train. Let's just say the bacteria created 0.04 blood alcohol content. That means that he had to have, at the time of the accident, had 0.04 already in his system. So he may not have truly been belligerently blasted drunk, but still, 0.04, that's... That's noticeable. It's pretty drunk. It's, but... And you and it, and it should have been smells, behavioral issues, and none of that really comes up. So, I mean, but I... also, like, did he? I mean, you know, so he did an entire run of a train. He'd been doing runs all morning, right? Mm-hmm. Was he having run. a hard time hitting the stops at all the other places? I mean, not it's not morning. as though, so. especially in the less than ten minutes it takes to do the run, we're not saying like. Oh, and, you know, it was weird because he was lurching into every single stop. He was missing these stops. Those were pretty hard stops to hit as well. And he made those all fine. So what happened in the, what, two minutes between the last stop and the final stop? I mean... You down to fifth of rum. I don't know. But I'm, no. I mean, it had but, to have been, but it had to have been at the beginning of the. I mean, well, I tell you, I've been, I've been over the legal limit. At least I think so. I've never actually blown a, a breathalyzer before, but I'm sure I've been over the legal. I've limit. seen. I'm pretty sure you have too. And I have never crashed a train. Yeah. <laughs> or or a car for that. So matter. anecdotally, yeah. uh, we're proving this theory bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over, overall, bunk. this this is a poor theory, and and it was dismissed by the official inquiry. Though there are people who still feel that it's correct. But we'll leave that theory behind and we'll move to the next one. I hate this one. I know you do. And I'm not I'm not very keen on it, though it's rather popular, which is that Newsom was it decided to commit suicide and just happened to take 43 other poor souls along with him. Well, there were he decided to, 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 you know, it was death by train. He decided that was his method to go. There are a lot of issues with this. There are. The first of which is that people say, well, he, he obviously knew what he was doing and he did it, did it intentionally. That's why he was seen standing upright in the cab when he came through the station. And they say, you know, the fact that he didn't cover his, his head with his arms shows that he was also doing it willfully and it wasn't... Um, you know, it wasn't if it was an oh, oh crap moment. He's like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. He was just hanging on, again, doing it intentionally. But as with all suicide theories, this doesn't mate up with anybody who knows him. Because as we've seen this in a lot of stories, his family, his co-workers, they all say that he didn't have any signs of depression. He didn't show mm-hmm. any signs of being suicidal. Nothing like that was present, though. We have talked about the fact that there can be that spur of the moment, hidden hidden feelings people don't want to admit or don't see. But the, the thing that I have a problem with the whole suicide theory is that 
The day before, Newsom had sent his wife to the bank to get 300 pounds so that he could then go buy a car for his daughter, and he had that money on him, which to me indicates he's planning to go from work to buy the car to take the car home, which in my estimation would not be the actions of a man who was planning to take his own life. Actually, it occurs to me he has a daughter who was of the age that he was buying a car for, so that could account for why the liquor was maybe a little lower <laughs> That's true. than Good originally point. anticipated. Yeah. I mean... You know, there were teenage kids in the house. But no, uh, I mean, I agree. It's it's that same thing. What was the, the case we talked about recently with the guy who apparently stabbed himself three times as suicide? Oh, yeah. Plaza. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he... And again, we had that issue where he ma- he apparently made himself a meal and then stabbed himself three so times. So again, it's, it's like, wait, that, that there's, there's a level of drunk and, yeah. and intentional that... I don't think so. No, so I, I, I will agree. I, I don't know about you, Joe, but I personally am willing very easily to discount suicide. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really buy it either. Uh, <laughs> I, could, I could picture murder. Actually, <laughs> actually, the one thing that sort of turns through my head in this one is like, uh, you've seen this in the movies or TV or whatever, where there's a guy, and for some reason, uh, because some, some international cabal of the bioterrorists have got the goods on him, and they're they're holding his family. And if hostage. he doesn't crash the he train, he has to crash the train, you know, or they'll kill know. his family or you know, something. And so yeah. I, I, yeah, so I sort of, I sort of went with that theory just for fun, you know, because you know we've seen it in the movies, right? Yeah. Well, okay. if it happens yeah. in the movies, it happens in real life. It, Funsies it is realsies. Yeah. So there's that. No. I mean, no. So, so no. that would be suicide, but not really voluntary. Yeah, suicide. involuntary. So technically murder. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't see any real evidence of that. But okay. you know, it's a, it's a nice one, juicy. I yeah. Mean, yeah. It was yours, not the real theory. No. Um, so let's go to our next next theory, I which like this is one. he had a medical condition, which was the cause of the entire accident. Yeah. More the, possible. The Inquisition, they looked into a lot of things to try and figure out if indeed something had happened. You know, they checked his heart to see if maybe he had suffered a heart attack. They did tests, uh, which I'm not exactly clear on, but they were trying to figure out if he had had a seizure of some kind that would have locked up his muscles so that he couldn't release the controls of the train. Those are hard to... Nothing was found from it. Well, yeah, especially because, I mean, I, I presume that his body took a fair amount of damage yes. in the crash. So it would be pretty hard to... Massive you know. trauma to the head. Yeah. Massive trauma. It would be really hard to kind of diagnose any of those things it, after the you fact. You would think so, huh? Yeah. I think that just about everything would have been kind of exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, they did examine his body to see if he had been electrocuted because the trains, they're electric trains, and there is the possibility that a current could have, for some reason, gone through the metal controls that he was holding, would have gone through his body and then through his feet back into the metal decking. That would have been the current. That would account for him standing in the same spot and keeping his grip yeah, on Yeah, because he's being, he's being shocked, and therefore yeah. all of his muscles are contracted, and he cannot physically that, let go. That probably would have left some marks, though. There were none. <laughs> yeah. So definitely couldn't have been that. So I, I don't believe that that was it. Um, I have a couple medical theories. Okay, yeah. Yeah. One thing is, you know, 53 is not that old, but um, early signs of dementia can account for um, kind of blackout locked-in syndrome. I kind of looked into that, and it seems like there should have been a lot more symptoms. Well, it's hard. Early signs of dementia particularly are really hard because they're things like 
you are a little more forgetful than you usually are, or you have blackouts or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And these are all things that you have to self-report and especially, you know, British stiff upper lip, you know, at 56, it's likely if it was just starting to happen that he would have not even mentioned it or even his wife well, would have said, it's job. funny, you, you keep leaving your keys all around, you know, and, and you keep asking me where they are and they're sitting right there. What's, you know, what's going on? Oh, it's, you know, just getting older. It's, it's normal aging. And I mean, that's one thing that could account for it because you, you can suffer these like really just blackouts basically where your brain just stops functioning, but your body's still functioning. I, so my, my one problem with, with that. Oh, you only have is, one. Well, it's it's a very popular reason today. It's 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 the darling diagnosis. It's it's the for diagnosis dementia? for this thing I mean. Well, no, or, just or... just to, for things today in to, for in our current I'd say last decade it's like, "Oh, well, I bet you it was early onset dementia I or it was dementia." I feel like I see that a lot in stories more than I used to. I think they're just getting better at diagnosing it. Because, I mean, well, again, it's one of those things where, you know, 50 years ago, people were like, oh, I don't know, the, he's forgetful. Well, there are there are things that do tend to get kind of overdiagnosed. Oh, like for AD, sure. ADHD, for oh, example. Oh, absolutely. You know, but, I mean, that would have been one. And then he also could have, you know, had that he could have just had a, a little bit of a seizure or a stroke or something like that. Yeah, and, and, and that a, would be really hard. That would be hard, especially for the, the kind of damage that mm -hmm. his body took to, to figure out post-mortem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It would be. Um, it was suggested that along the... This kind of, I know, dovetails into yeah. the dementia, is that it was suggested that maybe he was just kind of daydreaming and he not paying attention. kind of got hypnotized attention. by the rails and the kinda, lights. Yeah, yeah. kind of got hypnotized, and that's what caused it. Except one thing to keep in mind is that it's two sets of rails that go north-south. So one is the south line, one is the north line, and they cross each other just before the platform and where that X happens, there is a notable jump or jolt to the train. It's a, it's a bump. It's, you know, so that and the noise of the platform, everybody says should have been enough that if the motorman was literally just gathering wool, he should have come to his senses quite quickly based on that alone. And that should have jolted him. To I guess this start is, this, I'm just doing the devil's advocate thing yeah. for this one, but uh, haven't you ever had those times where you're kind of staring off into space and somebody says something and you kind of come back, but you keep staring off into space. Do you ever have that? No. Oh, I get that a lot mm. where like it actually sometimes I get into physical pain if I like snap out of it too fast. Just stare off into space and somebody says something and I'm like, oh, here I am. But I have to keep staring off or else. Okay, now I can come back. I don't you know. You come back in phases, not all yeah. at once. Mm -hmm. But uh one would present that he could have come back in a couple stages and still made it. I think, uh, yeah, just uh, that just doesn't really seem to happen to that many people because if it did, we have a lot more dead pedestrians and things yeah. like that, you know. So what you're it's saying true. is I'm weird. No. Uh, I'm, I'm well, saying that you, you are probably not the norm in that. Yeah. Um, the good news is I don't do it when I'm driving. So. Well, thank yeah. goodness. <laughs> that is good. Um, now, there were uh, the other thing that, and again, this is the things that were really hard to diagnosed properly is there were suggestions that he had he'd suffered what were some pretty rare or exotic conditions that that are acute you know they just happen that one or two times uh that would be akin to like as you said the the locked in scenario yeah. you know locked in his brain but not able to move 
But those are things that, that are just so difficult to diagnose. That yeah, I mean, they were blackouts. just dis- disregarded by the, the, the investigating committee. Yeah, and again, I mean, blackouts can be a, just a, a one-off, you know, couple-off time thing. They don't even have to be associated with anything. Your brain can just be like, you know, mm-hmm. bye mm-hmm. for a little bit. And usually, granted, usually those do coincide with the you collapse or blah, blah, blah. But it is possible to have your brain go and not your body, yeah. at least for a couple minutes. Seems rather unlikely, though. We're going to move on to the next theory. The next theory is mechanical failure, and it's got a couple of subsections to it. So there's actually some explanation that I need to do. I was going to say, you need to tell us about the mechanics first. I do. I do. So first off, I talked about this earlier, is that the train that was in, the train that was involved, it was a 1938 tube stock. And again, that is the stock of trains that is used in the tube. They had been in service at that time for over 40 years. They had a lot of them, by the way. They did. And, you know, these trains, they apparently worked well because currently some of them, though they've been uh, decommissioned in the tube, there's still some of them running on the Isle of Wight. Yeah. So those trains weren't all that bad. Yeah. As long as they were maintained, I think that was... One of the issues. And we'll, we're going to get into that. But before we get into maintenance stuff, let's talk about the train operation. Because that, that's going to really be paramount for the stuff that's coming up. Uh-huh. Before I get into the train operation, I have to say thank you to both Alistair and Anthony. Thank you so much to those guys for helping me understand the nuts and bolts of how the, the, the cab worked. Because uh-huh. that really, really made a big difference for me. So here's how the train works. The driver stands in the cab and has their left hand and their right hand on top of, for lack of a better term, two columns, a left hand and a right hand column. The left hand column has a uh, control on it that swings back and forth, and that is the application of the brakes. It's the brake handle. So the right hand column had the speed control for the train, which was a lever system. So think about if there's a clock laying in a plane in front of you, the lever is off when it's at the three o'clock position, and then the driver would pull it and it would rotate to the six o'clock position. And, and the now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would heard or read that you have to push down on it. I'm not there yet. Oh, I'm okay. not there yet. That's the dead man switch part. I'm not there yet. Oh, okay. So we're taking this in pieces. All right. So you would move it from three o'clock to six o'clock to put the train into forward go, you know, to get power and the easy way that there's this uh, whole serial and parallel thing, which we'll talk about later, but think mm-hmm. of it as a low and a high gear. Low gear is at 6 o'clock, and then when the train had enough speed, you would continue to push it to the left in an arc to the 9 o'clock position, and that's where it's high gear. That's the basics of the control of the operation. What you were talking about, Joe, is the dead man switch component of the control, Mm -hmm. and that is when it's in the 3 o'clock position, in order to move that lever, the operator of the train has to push it down, and it took 15 pounds of force to get it down enough before it would begin to rotate. And then then from there on, they had to keep three pounds of pressure on it. But it is a dead man switch. And everybody, you know what a dead man switch is, whether you realize it or not, because we're going to go back to the movies. There's that scene in the movies where the bad guy's got a bomb and he's holding a switch in his hand. If the good guys shoot him and he dies, he'll let go and the bomb will go off and and drama ensues. But basically it is... If somebody lets go of the switch and it turns off, something is going to happen. Basic, simple driver moves it to six o'clock 
and doesn't keep pressure on it and lets go for some reason, the brakes on the train, the dead man function, would activate the brakes and stop the train so that let's say somebody sneaks up and clubs our driver in the back of the head and he lets go of the controls, the train is going to automatically stop. And you said how how much weight does it take? How much pressure does it take? To- Three pounds of pressure to keep it down, 15 pounds to initially push it down. It's it's not it's not it, so it takes considerable uh, a bit of force to push it down and then to maintain it it's a notable noticeable force because mm-hmm. there is spring or air pressure trying to push it up it's resisting right. the downward force that your hand is keeping on it okay basics overview very basic of wonder, how the controls work I, I wonder how many tube drivers like you know have had a, like, made themselves like a specially weighted glove to make it easier I've heard it's like hard to do that all day press down on I that don't thing. think they actually made a specially weighted glove but as we'll talk about later on they did figure out some tricks to make it much easier on themselves I was gonna uh-huh. say really all you have to do is lean on it that would be one way and so that if you is, die, that but, is yeah. one way to do it but it's 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 at the it's in a position that I think is awkward to lean on. You'd be moving back and forth. Because think about like this train, in less than 10 minutes, it made five stops. The longer trains, maybe a guy could get away with that. It went, f- it, I'm sorry. In an arc. The arc went away from you? Towards you. Towards, yeah. So you're in the middle and you so can you lean could, on if, it. So if it was in the middle position, low gear, yeah. you could do that. Not so easy when it's in the nine o'clock position which is the high gear because yeah. you're going to rotate the the train between low and high gear for speed based on what you're doing. Yeah, I guess the other thing that I'll just go ahead and mention right now is that I have an issue with the idea that he would have ever gotten into high gear given the shortness of this route. It's 10 minutes. The trains accelerate quite quickly yeah. and it sounds to me like they 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 come up to speed very fast. And to be able to make those stops in that time, it sounds like you have to go from the 6 o'clock low gear to the 9 o'clock position high gear quite frequently because you're you're ramping the train up and then you're ramping it back. Okay. If you kept it in low gear, you would never be on time. Is, okay. is my understanding. I could be wrong. Well, but... think, and if a shtick was start shutting it off and coasting all the way up, you can see why you want to give it a little blast of yeah. speed. Yeah, he'd want to be in high off. gear and then knock it back to full neutral and just coast his way on in. Okay. So let's go with, in the mechanical failure theory, the first theory is that there was a bad brake valve. And I'm going to get into more descriptions of how stuff on these trains work, and I apologize. Well, no, it's not, that's simply it's, not true because they, you know, the, the tube system, they said afterwards that they examined the whole brake system and it was just flawless. That, that, is, that, is, not, that is not entirely accurate, Joe. They seem, to believe, they seem to believe that there was absolutely nothing mechanically wrong with that train at all. Okay, so... Yeah, that's what they said. Anyway. I know, I know, yeah. I know. And and to to follow on what Joe's getting at, that's the official inquest into the accident, which um, what they did, the the brakes on the train are electro-pneumatic, which is a fancy way of saying they are air brakes that are electronically controlled. And that was actually one set of, they had two sets of brakes on the train. Yes, there's the yeah. Westinghouse, which is basically a, a, a kind of a hard brake system, and then the air brake system. The electro-pneumatic one, pneumatic yeah, one also. The EP but, is yeah. it's referred to. So we're just going to call it the air brakes for the moment. But the air brake system runs through the entire length of the train, and because it's an air system, it's very simple in theory. There's a tank that has pressure in it, and when the driver or a passenger pulls the right handle, the pressure pours into the tube system that controls the brakes and that pressure then 
activates the brakes, which would then compress on the wheels. So just like when you step on the brake in your car, if it was done by air. That's the, the simplest version of this, except it's an air system, so it has a bunch of valves in it to be able to turn things off, to disconnect it. And in the inquest, they noted that there was a couple of valves that were broken, and they presumed were broken because of the accident, because they say they took all of the lines off of the train, and they reassembled them, and when they brought the system up to pressure, it came up to pressure but it sounds like they also replaced the broken valves to do so, but I don't see anything that says that they actually tested those valves. So I wonder if there is a scenario where a valve goes bad, it therefore dumps all the pressure in the tank. So think of an air compressor. If it's got no pressure in it and you, you hit the button, nothing happens. It's useless, yeah. And poor Newson is sitting there driving the train, and he's pulling on the lever, and nothing is happening it's a situation where I could see a guy just pulling, praying to God that the stupid thing will kick in. You know, like you, you always see it in the, again in the movies when mm -hmm. the brakes fail, somebody's rapidly stomping on the brake pedal trying to get, and he's doing the same thing with the brake handle, yeah. trying to get the stupid I, I, thing to disengage. So well, and I kind of wonder too how, you know, he must, he should have known, but maybe he didn't know how far he had to go before the tunnel dead ended. He should know. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my two problems with that are like, there's got to be a backup auxiliary emergency system somewhere. It's called the Westinghouse. Okay. Yep. And then the other one is it was reported that he coasted in to his stops. So why would he be going full throttle when he should have been easing off the throttle five minutes unless ago or whatever? The, unless the throttle stuck. Well, Unless and, that's, and that's a different theory. So the, the passengers said that it felt like the, tr and the witnesses said it looked like and felt like the train was accelerating, but it may have been up to speed and it could have been going 30 or 40 miles an hour. And with no braking, you're just like, oh my God, crap's flying by because you've been in a subway and yeah. you see things whizzing by, but it's dark and you don't really have a good impression of your speed. Mm -hmm. But suddenly when there's things for frame of reference, you're like, holy crap, we're speeding up. Oh, wait, no, we're, we're, we're slowing down. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I could see the other side of the coin to what you're saying. Sure. I mean, yeah. I don't know that that's the other side of the coin to what I'm saying, but maybe. Yeah. You're saying, why was the train speeding up? No, I'm just saying, why was it going that fast at all? If he was known to coast in, mm. he should have eased up on the throttle a lot, like much earlier. You and if think, the braking huh? system's not working, he still should be slowing down because he's coasting in because he's not hitting the throttle anymore. In theory, he's... all he needed to do was let go let of the go. throttle. Yeah. yeah. True. In theory. So and, that's, and... that's what I'm saying is like, that's the big problem I have with that is that it sounds like he wasn't a big user of the brakes anyway. Mm -hmm. So why was he going... 30, 40 miles an hour when he hit that station when he should have been coasting in by all reports of the way he drove. He should have let off the power much earlier. Yeah. To be, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It wasn't, and no, then, it you wasn't know, just bad brakes, obviously, something else. But something the else had to have been going on. Maybe didn't work either. The right. brakes theoretically should have been able to stop it no matter what. Theoretically, they should have. And, and so we haven't talked about this, but these trains officially got examined for maintenance reasons 
on quite a regular, rigorous schedule, this is officially speaking. Mm -hmm. They were looked at once a week. I think it was basically once a quarter. And then they were, any major overhaul work was done once a year. And according to the records, this train was spotless. It had gone through its weekly review the night before the accident. Although there were accusations of falsifications of records. Well, I mean... Talk about that. So, yeah, yeah. Because that's... It, what is the name of the guy that you... that? Uh, there's a guy named Anthony Bright who okay. used to work for the tube system. And he's, he's posted a lot of interesting stuff on the web about he's this. He's made a lot of accusations. Well, I'm Some just going to... interesting gonna, ones, too. I was just going to go ahead and preface this by saying anything that was commissioned in 1938, right? That's when this train was commissioned. S the train was constructed? Yeah. Yes. Actually, yeah. actually, I don't know that this is an individual one. That's when they first started building it was, them. It was 38 stock. So it could have been built in the 40s around. or God yeah. knows when. I mean, yeah. But that it's at least, you know, 20, 30 years old. It's not going to oh, yeah. be spotless. Oh, no. No matter yes. what, there's going to be components some. Components would have been remo replaced on a regular basis. Engines and brakes and wheels and stuff like I'm that. Just and saying, even the interiors were replaced. I'm just casting aspersions on the fact that it was, sp quote unquote, spotless there's going to be minor things that needed to have happened so i guess what i what i mean when i say spotless is there's always a lemon in the bunch there's always that one sure. car that, number 52 look 52 broke down again big shocker sure. there sure. Mm -hmm. that kind of when i say that it's it was a regular train it didn't have any major issues it got its maintenance officially speaking and it didn't have any problems okay, but the accusations that that uh joe found in the comments section that i didn't go into yeah say quite the different story mm -hmm. uh-huh yeah no he uh he said a lot of the maintenance staff at, at neeson i guess that's where they did the maintenance uh, he said they were stealing the batteries stealing the mercury from the re these retarders that were part of the braking system Basically anything else, as he says, they could sell to the scrappy, mm -hmm. to quote him. Uh, so he said instead of maintaining the trains, they were spending their work time stealing from the trains. He also makes the accusation, which I find interesting because this goes into the next theory, which is, uh, I call it the engine theory. One of the things he says is he says that these cars were coupled together in threes. So yeah, there were three, three cars. Yeah, th yeah, so three cars locked together, then another three cars connected to that. That's how we have the first three cars and the rear three cars. Mm -hmm. And according to him, you could only drive on the head and the tail, or from the head and the tail of that three-car system, even though these cars were technically designed so that any of those three cars could be the head or tail of a group because of mechanical issues, they had permanently coupled them together so they could scavenge the controls from the middle car and the interior of the front and rear car to have stuff for the fronts because there were some mechanical issues with the actual driver lever system, mm -hmm. according to him. Yeah, no, I said that they were worn out and they needed to be replaced, and so they basically just they scavenged part from the, 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 the train. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he also said, as far as the broken valve theory goes, he says uh, there could have been, it could have been a, like a loose or a defective valve, but he said also the valves are throughout the train. He said somebody opening a valve deliberately or inadvertently. 
could also sabotage the brake system, whether they, somebody meant to or not. Being a prankster or just either a, a, a prankster fool and or, not realizing they were causing a mistake. Or deliberate sabotage. So yeah. that that brings, yeah. you know what, uh, so I hadn't thought about that until just now. But you remember we talked about the 18-year-old kid who was the guard on the train? Yeah. One of the things he told the inquest when they said, you know, something about why didn't you pull the, the, the handle and initiate the Westinghouse brakes and stop the train is he said, well, he had gone to the other end of the train and was rooting around looking for newspapers to read because obviously it was boring. And then he was reading the paper, not paying attention. That's why he didn't pull the brake handle. But what I'm getting at here is if the trains are in the tail section cab and he is rooting around, it's possible he could have knocked a valve. He could have accidentally done it too, or he could. Have I mean, done I'm not. It. I'm not blaming this kid at all, but it just suddenly that dawned on me from that that stuff that you're looking at right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if he had actually, you know, if he had actually understood the operation of it, when apparently, according to Anthony Bright, mm-hmm. if a, a failure of the electro-pneumatic system, what that hap- what what that causes is a discharge of air from the system into the driver's cab, mm-hmm. which he said can be unpleasant because it, it's like not just air, but it, it has like it's going to have particles. It's going to have stuff. dust and, and, Grease. and, and, and oil, 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 oil mm-hmm. droplets, and things like that in it. So it could have been either uh, a spiteful prank because I, I had heard that the the two of them, the Harrison and Newsom, didn't necessarily get along that well. Which is funny because a lot of the times it's referred to as they had an okay yeah. working relationship. They just were massively different in ages. So yeah, they... or it, yeah, or it could have been, been intended as kind of a fun little prank. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, he's going to get this little face, blast you know, of you know, air. Blast his little cab Ha-ha. area with all this crap. It'll you be know. Fun. Yeah, and maybe so it could have been inadvertent. Well, yeah. But... I mean, it's possible, right, that there was the, that it was intended as this. He understood that it, you would get like the blast of air in the cab. He didn't understand that. While you give that blast of air in the cab, you functionally just decimate it's the brake system. Reduce yeah. the pressure, therefore the yeah. brakes can't yeah. work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so that's yeah. certainly possible of as course, well. Yeah, but of course that doesn't account for the continued... If, even if the train wasn't accelerating into the station, if it was still going the same speed, the lack of brakes doesn't really account for that. So there's... there's yeah. There, part of the, the theory of the engines that I'm looking at... One of the things that I was looking at was the possibility of the fact that the the speed lever was actually stuck in the nine o'clock position because the drive shaft, and, and I'm presuming that they are referring to the drive shaft of that lever itself, was broken. And they said, well, we think that that's broken because of the impact of the train into the end of the tunnel, which is logical. Yeah. I, I admit this. But I also wonder if it is a scenario where it is a weakened drive shaft of that lever and he puts it into high and it's the, the control rod snaps internally that, that le- and suddenly the lever's Here's friggin' useless. Um, have you seen what the housing for that lever looks like? Not the, so. It is a giant metal box. Mm-hmm. The the main the main column. So there's the lever on right? top, and does it have like a you push it down and there's a gap in between like the there the, is a gap, the gap there. Yes. Okay. So I'm formulating my new theory as we right. go that theory. That, cool. that you know little prankster McGee over here uh-huh. is like oh this will be fun there will be like a little blast of air but there's particulate and in that particulate is a little stone. That gets blown up and kicked up into the crevice between the lever and the housing, which functionally jams 
the throttle and that could have happened pretty easily when that x we're talking about that train x mm -hmm. where it like jumps yep that something could have popped up in there basically just jams that lever into full throttle position. That would be an amazing coincidence because there's not... So okay. Yeah, but I mean... So to jam it, whatever detritus you're, you're, refer, you're making up in this scenario yeah. would have to come onto... So if the lever's in the 9 o'clock position, mm -hmm. it would have to jam from the 3 o'clock side to keep the lever pushed down and in that position. It couldn't have just been in the... It I'm have imagining been in the, it goes... It couldn't have been in under the gap between the 9 o'clock position and the center of the clock position because the the lever raises up. Mm. So there, I don't know. It could have been in the backside. But one thing that I did find interesting in the stuff that Joe had earlier that may account for this is that if there's something wrong with the control... Newsom could have very well just said, "Okay, you know it's screwed. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull pressure off and let the dead man switch go." Except, according to this guy's information about the maintenance systems, it was notorious for that some of those tubes, or not notorious, but some of those tubes would corrode because it's air, and air systems are notorious mm -hmm. for having water in them. We got condensation. It's condensation, so it corrodes. Also, it's England, and it gets crud in it. And it it seals, and suddenly there's a the pressure that should be released from the pushing down of the lever mm -hmm. or the letting go of it is maintained by whatever crud is in the line has fused it shut. Mm. So there's that also possibility. That's more of the the brakes fail side. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff in this. I mean, this is just it's such an intricate, I, uh, complicated machine. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, they're more complicated than they think, and I and I do find the the Poor maintenance theory to be eh, at least a little bit compelling. Yeah, I think yeah. it's super compelling. Yeah. It also, you know, gives uh, there's a good reason for the inquest to have covered it up, right? You mm -hmm. don't want mass hysteria of people suddenly thinking, well, "Oh my God, the public transportation system is no longer safe." Some uh, some heads are going to roll, right? It's right? really easy yeah. to just say this yeah, guy who it. died, yeah, is responsible. Mm -hmm. Pass the buck onto a dude who has already paid the ultimate sacrifice. Really, you know, you're not really slandering that much of his life. Mm -hmm. I presume that his widow still got her, you know, pension checks and all of that stuff. So to me, it makes perfect sense that there was some huge maintenance error and it, there was like a large cover up. Sure. Just the, for uh, public... A from a conspiracy standpoint, that's, that, that makes sense. Well, right. and, the guy, yeah. and the guys on the platform who, who witnessed him standing there staring straight ahead, there were, there were how many? Uh, I, I think I, there's there's at least there's a that. half dozen statements. Oh, were there that many people, really? Yeah. people. Well, people were waiting to catch the train to go the other direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we... Wasn't and there one something of them was, in a, this... was an employee. Wasn't I... there something in that thing that you had... That said, most of the eyewitness reports were actually given by people who were employed by the the underground. Well, exactly, they were members of the trade union of the underground, and so you right because there's guys that, that work there. There's guys that may that you know there's guards and stuff right. like that. Yeah, yeah. so there right. is. So these were guys who maybe went along with the whole thing because you know they and, were probably told by their bosses that hey, you'll be rewarded for you know just saying that you saw this, and they probably all those guys probably saw nothing. And there, there is stuff that says that I can't. Oh gosh, I wish I had his name. I think it was the guard. He was immediately, or yeah, it was the guard. I think was immediately taken by the police 
to the police station and questioned and held for a really long time, and then taken for a walk that to was clear Harris. his yeah. head. Yeah, like there's eighteen-year-old Harris, right? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some yeah. hinky conspiracy level stuff that you're like, whoa, well that doesn't that doesn't make a lick of sense. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, is uh, when you've got this smooshed-up train that's just literally a just twisted-up piece of wreckage. It's going to be really hard to prove mechanical failure. Although I got to tell you, people reconstruct crashed airplanes and they figure stuff out. That's true. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though, is that if you can, let's suppose, for example, you're one of the head of, of say, the trades unions, and and you're also, you know, part of the transportation thing in the, in the labor party. So this is your gig, your responsibility. Now, do you really want a detailed inquiry? into what's really going on with all these maintenance issues and people stripping the trains and stealing crap. Do you really want that? Or do you want Or do you want to put this issue to rest as quickly as you possibly can? Which they did. Yeah, yeah. they sure did. Two the, days, I think it took? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the inquest actually was uh, four days. I Including think. lunch breaks. Which, yeah, which, which by the way, the, today would be, you know, how long would it take? Yeah. Eight, well, no, that's eight, 16, yeah. 32 hours is the amount of time that it took to compile everything in, in all session. The testimony Whereas for, all the, uh, yeah. for today, those investigations take one to three years, Months, yeah. maybe? But yeah, the, uh, but I, you know, that's the thing about it to me. It was uh, the whole, by, by getting it right out there right away. Oh, saw the driver. He was just standing there staring straight ahead. Obviously, he did it. You know, I mean, that just, that just obviates the need for any sort of strict inquiry into what was really going on. This guy obviously the screwed up, is what they're the, saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so yeah, and that that headed off a lot of unpleasant, a lot of unpleasantness for a lot of people. Yeah. No, no, and you're you're it, absolutely it, right. It's and not that crazy of a conspiracy theory. No, it's not. It's not. But I did I did read one other thing that made me wonder, maybe to a degree, if this that they were right. And it was operator error. And that's our final theory, which is that he made a massive mistake. So if we go back to controls of the train, we talked about how much pressure it takes mm-hmm. to, you know, to push it down from three o'clock. And then once it's in the six o'clock position, you know, a little bit of pressure to keep it down, but then to go to the nine o'clock position and to keep pressure, downward pressure on it is not easy because that's a straight arm thing. Yeah. Let's say he's not doing what you suggested, which is leaning on it. Well, I'm, I'm envisioning leaning on at six. Right oh, at okay. at nine, it would be hard. Yeah, well, at, at six o'clock, it's right in front of you. Put you your just, arm straight down, and or you, you just... just put your shoulder on right, it. Right, and... right. Okay, so let's let's go back to the engines. And briefly, I talked about they had a low gear and kind of a high gear scenario. So the electric engines, just to to get the details covered, they had. This is from a. I'm not an electrical engineer, so please, nobody, you know, just put me on the the spit for this. But actually, they're, they're motors, not engines. <laughs> just if you don't want people like you know making fun of you, or for yeah. Joe to put me yeah. on the engine, the the thing because I called it a engine. an engine instead of a motor. Yeah, or it, it's a motor, not an engine. Yeah, or the other way around. That's a motor, exactly. Not an engine. Yeah. Okay, Calm so down. the point is, is that. For it, from an electrical perspective, they had what they referred to as full series, which was the low gear, and then there was par- full parallel, which was the high gear, the nine o'clock position. Mm-hmm. Well, there was an interesting little catch in the whole system, which is that once the the control was at that nine o'clock full parallel position, the high gear, the driver could 
pull the handle back to the six o'clock position. And as long as nothing interrupted the, the speed of the train, it would stay in high gear. Mm. So even though it should be transitioning down to low gear, unless the driver moved it back towards three o'clock to disengage the motors and reset it, it would stay in high gear. Mm-hmm. So what so I kind would, of kind of like uh, neutralizes the whole dead man switch thing. Huh? Well, it does to a degree because now it's well drivers did it all the time because it's much you just you cycle up you get to speed and then you pull it back to the six o'clock from nine to six. Then you put your elbow on it and lean on it. Right, because it's much easier to hold at sure. the six o'clock than the nine o'clock position. Well, I wondered because about a week prior to the this whole thing, or I think it was the Monday of that week, or maybe the Monday before. He was reported to have missed a stop by several cars. He didn't stop in time. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't been on the job but a year. And it doesn't sound like he was doing any of the major lines. But if the experienced guys are doing this and somebody says, oh, hey, Newson, here's, dude, here's a trick. This will make so you're not keeping your arm locked out. Your, your shoulder's not going to hurt, yada, yada, yada. Tells him how to do it, but he doesn't get exactly how the motors and the the pattern works. So he thinks, okay, I pulled it into the six o'clock position. We're going, and he thinks the process is he has to have go from nine to six to three to disengage the motor incorrectly, rather than just kicking it over to the three. Alternately, he just has the timing wrong. He has something about the or the operation of that that little trick wrong. He could have stopped late that time a week ago and then said, "Well, let me give it a try again," and accidentally put it, you know, not understanding, put it into high gear and kept it into high gear when he thought that he was shifting it into low. Or just something it, broke off inside. Well, the, it, yeah, inside the, the th- again, that's at the mechanical level. Yeah. I just looked at this and thought, well, this is this is behavior that drivers did to operate. I wonder if a guy not knowing the right way to do that trick could completely screw it up. I I have it a hard like time Seems like a pretty simple that. trick, huh? It yeah. seems really simple. Especially but you when you have a break right there. You know, uh, that's true, except I see people driving down the street. The simple thing is you make a turn, and if your turn signal doesn't turn off, you turn your turn signal off. Yet I see people driving down the freeway for 15 minutes with their damn turn signal on. I recently, that's a simple thing, but doesn't mean people do it right. I recently found out that newer cars often don't have a sound associated with blinkers. Really? Yeah. So that explains why people are not doing that because they don't know that they're blinkers. Well, Only for cars that are, you know, two or three years old, not for the last 60 years of history. Well, I know yeah. that for me, it's uh, something about my my particular height. The My steering wheel always blocks the turn signal indicator. You can, you <laughs> so can adjust I, that, you it know. It does, yeah but, yeah, but I haven't. But why, and, yeah. But, and, and so I, I do that. I find myself doing that sometimes if I'm on the freeway because I'm getting so much freeway noise, I can't hear it. Yeah, you know, and, and I can't see it because the steering wheel is blocking it. So I just like you know, so. I just think so. But back to the but... theory. The point is that I think that there may have been he may have screwed up in trying to do something with the controls. I don't know if I... this is something wrong with me or like what, but I'm way more prone to believe that there's like wide systematic problems with with stealing that people wanted to keep quiet about yeah yeah then so. like one dude who seems like a wholesome guy making a big mistake like that i think i would think that uh, if it were me and i was heading to the end of the line at a dead end and not by dead end we mean solid wall brick wall i would be more inclined to use the you know the, the 
balls out thing earlier in the line and then say and be a little more conservative as my in my approach to the final station at the end of the line yeah i guess i i, I agree i wouldn't be I, trying out that new thing although, unless i knew yeah, there was not, a lot not, of not from, at that from spot what i yeah. understand it sounds like newson was working the, sh- the short run a lot yeah. So maybe he had been told that he was going to give the opportunity to work one of the longer lines and he wanted to figure this thing out before he was on the longer line and it was a bad idea. Again, I don't think that's what it is, but because I read about that driving habit, it 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 always it piques my interest and I have to ask. Mm-hmm. I always have to ask the question. I I still I it seems like even if he'd sort of forgotten the whole thing, he still would have figured it out before the end. You would think so, yeah. You would think Which so. Which is makes me inclined to believe that either something was wrong with the drive system or something was wrong with the brakes. The weird thing about the drive system is you remember how I talked about the the mo- motors, engines or motors? Motors. Okay, the motors they have the full parallel and the, the high gear and low gear, full parallel, now, full series. By, by parallel and series. Don't uh, ask me, Joe. No, no, I know what they mean, but the question is, is, are we talking about more than one motor or more than one battery or both? I Don't ask me. Yeah. What I want to talk about is the fact that when the wheels of the train disconnected from the track, it reset the motor to whatever the current setting of the drive control is. So, mm-hmm. for example, if it's in high gear, or it thinks it's in high gear, but the driver's put it in low, and it runs across that X, the motor disconnects from the system momentarily as it goes over those gaps, which would drop it into low gear. Mm, so it, that's why it, I, that's it's why not I, receiving electrical uh, electrical mm, input from yes, the outside. Yes, yeah. which makes me what makes me not quite hundred percent sure that I believe that there was a a breakage or a lockup in the drive control system, and more inclined to think that maybe there was something wrong with the braking system. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I think we're going to need to take a trip to London. I think they have one of these things in a museum. We could take it apart. No, we'll just go to the Isle of Wight. Yeah, that's true. They got they're running there. around on the Isle of Wight. Yeah, we'll yeah. and they're even apart. up above ground, so we don't even have to get you know dirty in the the tunnel and crawl around uh-huh. and look at things. Let's awesome. Do it. Yeah. All let's right. Do it. I say. Okay. Uh, but well, yeah. we've we've exhausted this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go. But, but yeah, final theory. I'm gonna go for the conspiracy to just hush hush up a lot of malfeasance. I agree. Okay. Yeah. It's malfeasance for malfeasance's sake. Malfeasance all around. Got it. Okay. So, well, if you want to read any of the material that we have, we will be putting at least some of the links up on our website. The website is, of course, thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can look through all of our episodes. We have an episode list available as an individual page, so you can search through there to find stories you want. We also have other stuff on the website, such as merchandise. So, through Zazzle and Redbubble, we have shirts and mugs and all kinds of different things available stickers so go through that and look through those we will of course have this episode on all of the streaming services so if you're using stitcher or google play or whatever service you want we are on there and so you can find all the back catalog we are of course also on itunes which is where a lot of folks find us if you're on iTunes, you're a user of iTunes, do take the time to leave a comment and a rating that does help us out and that helps other folks find the show, which is the most important thing. 
we are on all of the social media. So we're on Twitter at Think In Sideways without the G mm. in the middle. Mm. We are on Facebook with Facebook group and Facebook page. So like the page, join the group. Lots of fun conversations constantly mm. going on about in there. And uh, you've got questions. You've got concerns. You disagree with a theory or you have a theory of your own. Feel free to let us know. You can send us an email. Our email address is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And we're still replying to every email. We're, we're getting slower about it, but we're still replying to Absolutely. every email yeah. that comes through. Uh, sometimes it takes us a couple of days. Or a week. Or something. Yeah. It depends. So, yeah. Uh, I guess with that, uh, I'm going to motor on out of here. Oh, uh, no puns for me. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say I'm bye. Pond out. Just going to go crash. Oh, oh, my God. Uh, bye. Bye.